Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and we don't talk about money on this show. We talk about the six pillars of retirement lifestyle, which are friendship, purpose, as in the purpose in life, whether it be your life's work, your volunteer work, or whatever your purpose is, family, health, spiritual issues, and your significant other if you have one or want one. There are plenty of other shows that talk about money and investments, but this isn't one of them. We stick to the six pillars of retirement lifestyle. Starting in August of 2020, we started following the life of a pre-retiree. The goal was to follow her from pre-retirement through the retirement process so you and I can live vicariously through her experience. We want to know what's happening as she goes through this process so we can better prepare ourselves. As you listen in, think of any questions you might have for our subject, Barbara Mock, who is teaching us what she is learning by doing. You can email those questions to us at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Dot com, and we'll try to answer them in the show. Okay, let's get over to today's conversation. So Barbara, what's going on? Well, I've been thinking back to our uh, three-month odyssey, and there's a few things that come to mind that if the listeners are considering um, going either part-time RVing or full-time RVing, uh, my husband told me to say, um, it's a bucket of bolts going down the road. Right now, <laughs> our motorhome is in warranty work, which is something that if you buy a new motorhome, you have to take it up. And it's been a month and I need it back. I've got people coming for a graduation party and I need that extra housing. And then we're going to head out to um, Idaho and to Spokane uh, for another golf trip. And so... It is really interesting, just that whole industry. Um, so something to keep in mind is you got to be flexible with your time and what you're doing because you may not have the motor home, even though you're making payments on it uh, when you want it. Um, wow. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a in, shocker. In the shop for a whole month? Right. Because much like anything post-pandemic, um, supply chain and workers and people getting sick and, you know, COVID is still with us. And, and so, yeah, everything just takes longer and the parts that they need. And, you know, there's tons and tons of computers on these things. And so computer chips and that sort of thing. So we're just learning to kind of roll with it and kind of be flexible. We are all learning patience. Yes. Yes, you know, yes. we are such a instant society. You know, I want something and boom, Amazon delivers it the next day, the same day or two days later. Yeah. Do you remember when we had to wait six to eight weeks to get something when we ordered it from a catalog? Yeah. 
Yeah. And now if it's not same day or different day and, you know, shortages across the nation at at the time, if the listeners listening to this, there's a, a, a formula shortage for babies. And sure enough, there's now a peanut butter shortage. You know, if one factory shuts down, it just seems like it just ripples through the economy and uh, building a home or maintaining a motor home is, is no different. But But for the listener, I also want to say that this is really teaching us worldwide. Well, I would say in the West because world that the rest of the world doesn't have the instant, uh, you know, doesn't have everything instantly like we do. But I am, you know, I run a, a pretty big Facebook group for my neighborhood and you're constantly hearing people complain about the poor service that they're getting in restaurants. And my thought is just like, relax, people, relax. You're lucky the restaurant's even open. We have restaurants that are shut down three days a week and they're only open on certain days because they can't get the staff. So I applaud you for having patience with your motorhome, being in the shop for a month. That is definitely trying of anybody's patience. So hopefully you'll get it back soon. Um, Another eye-opener was national parks. I told you that I got my little national parks passport, get the little stamps when you go to them. And then my husband has the, you know, the senior lifetime thing that used to be free, but we paid $80. Um, But during the pandemic, the um, national parks were overrun the last couple of years. Uh, We talked to someone who said, oh, I wouldn't go to that national park. You'll have a three-hour wait. And, you know, that was just the reality. Double, triple the number of people touring around at all times of the year, not just during the summer months. And so our experiences were kind of eye-opening because we had thought about where are we going to stay, where are we going to sleep, and we made all of our reservations. But just on a whim, my husband started surfing and found out that, you need a ticket to get into some of the more, you know, the more popular national parks. And it always bothers him to have to plan six months or 12 months in advance. But because we actually, you're the planner. I'm the planner. And he's like, no, let's just go. Um, but what it did was it, it really structured our time because luckily, even though we've made our reservations, We just learned that that had just started at the beginning of April of 2022 and we didn't have any tickets. And so we ended up getting tickets that were kind of late in the day and we were kind of frustrated at first, but it actually turned out really well. So for us in Moab, in Arches National Park, that system worked well for us. One, the days are really long. So getting there at three o'clock, you know, we had almost till 8.30 or nine, um, but the park wasn't as crowded. We were able to go see each spot and get a parking spot, which, you know, a lot of times you can't find a place to park in order to go on the little half mile, one mile, two mile hike. So for those of you that are going to start collecting national park stamps or national monument stamps, do some research, even if you're on the fly, to find out because a lot of the tickets are either free or like a $2 charge. Uh, and then it, you just have a date stamp and a time and a certain group of people show up, you know, on the hour and go pouring in. And 
it just regulated it so much better. But I can see a lot of people super disappointed to drive across the country to go to some of these places. And now they're instituting a whole new system. The other thing I realized was that a lot of the people that we met are in their 70s and 80s, and they're not as comfortable with technology. We're finding more and more places don't take cash, and everything has to be online ahead of time. So we just went to Top Gun, came out for Memorial Day weekend, and my daughter and son-in-law got the tickets, and I said, well, there's no one in the ticket booth. And she goes, mom, there's no cash. Everything's credit card and you have to pre-buy your tickets online on your phone. And I said, so what are people doing that aren't comfortable with that? She goes, they're getting their kids or grandkids. So I think it's time for us retirees to realize that even if our computer skills aren't that great, we really do need to make an effort because if you're traveling around and you don't have cell service in these national parks, you can't just get a ticket at the gate or at the door or the night before. So that has been one of our big learning experiences about being on the road, even part-time. Wow. And who would they even think of that? So what are the 80-year-olds doing? You know, your your friends that you're seeing in the RVs that, that they just can't have their kids and grandkids do it because they're not nearby. Yeah, some um, of them are complaining a lot about the way it used to be. Many of them have seen these places, you know, over the years. They've been traveling a lot. And so they've kind of, you know, checked the bucket list. But I noticed at our park that weekly, um, along with the yoga class and the, you know, ceramics and the pottery, there was a class for people to come to um, with someone that, really wasn't necessarily techie, but just like, here's how you do this, or here's how you set up an online profile or set up an account. And we're kind of helping them through. But if you just have a jitterbug phone, that's just a, you know, not a smartphone. Um, it's sad in a way, but the world's accessibility to all the things that we love to do and know and enjoy, that window is closing unless you are digitally savvy. Um, well, so I think that might be I something think, that we can talk about in the future. Of course. Um, the issue is anybody listening to this show is already somewhat technologically savvy because the majority of the listens do not come through the website. They come through smartphones and mostly iPhones, which is interesting because I still do not own an iPhone. I'm an Android user and almost all of the um, kudos, all the credibility, all of everything that a podcaster gets is through Apple Podcasts. So for all of you listeners that are listening through Apple Podcasts, please go and give us a positive review <laughs> so that more people can find us. It would be very helpful. Um, and of course, you Android users, uh, we love your reviews as well. But Right now, realistically, it's the Apple, the Apple reviews that that bring in the most listeners. So, thanks for bringing that up, Barbara. <laughs> well, the the world is changing, travel is changing. Um, 
you know, you look back on your decisions and you think, should we, should we not have done this? And yet this past weekend, we were looking at airfares are skyrocketing and the cost of travel has gone up. And then thousands and thousands of uh, flights were canceled because there's a pilot shortage. And so for us right now, it won't be necessarily forever, but for us right now, traveling this way is working because the roads are still open and we're driving, we're the pilot. We don't need to depend on a schedule. And um, I still was going to maybe do a quick few flights down to see my daughter in Portland. But by the time you pay the cost, and even though diesel is super expensive, um, just the time that, yeah, you can drive and get there and not be stuck in an airport for a 30 minute flight. So you know, I'm a little concerned because Les and I, in about a week or so, we're going to be headed over to Utah for a business mm. conference that I'm going to. And I do not want to be stuck. I do not want to not be able to get home. You know, it is concerning. And not only that, but I know several people, I personally know several people who recently, like within the last week, got COVID while they were traveling. Mm -hmm. And I went and got my second booster shot. And so that's four. And this one has knocked me out. I mean, I don't know if you can tell, but I am still really low energy. And I got that shot on Thursday as we're recording this. Today is Tuesday. So that tells you how long ago I got that shot. They just they wipe me out. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I won't get COVID while I'm traveling, but I hear you. I mean, it's a little scary to try to get on a plane right now. You don't know if you're going to be able to get back. And Well, um, especially with the masks being removed, there's, you know, they're not be being required. You can obviously wear one, but if you're surrounded by, you know, everybody that doesn't, but we have numerous family members, all fully vaxxed, all fully boosted, and they're all coming down with COVID. Now, the kids are coming down with mild cases, but some of the adults have been knocked flat on their back for five days and have no energy. And so, yeah, it's not over. It's not over by any means. And it seems like every day you turn around, you have a difficult choice to make and there isn't really good information, right? People aren't going in to get tested. They're testing at home. So even if you want to make an informed decision about where you're going, there isn't a lot of data or information. And yet you really don't want to just stay home. My suggestion is bring lots of good snacks, have a great attitude in mind about someone you're going to meet that you wouldn't have if your flight gets delayed and just try to make the best of it. Because the smooth, seamless travel um, that we got used to pre-pandemic, it, 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 you might get lucky, but it also can be quite rocky. And I think the hardest thing is for people that when their flights get canceled, the technology thing again, uh -huh. there's some people that know the system and know how to get themselves booked. And before you've even got the news that your flight's canceled, they're already figuring out how to go somewhere else. And you're sitting and they're going, now what do I do, you know, with massive lines? So traveling right now is not for the faint of heart. It is not. Which is disappointing. I want to talk a little bit about coming home from a trip after three months. Um, my 
sister-in-law asked us to host our niece's graduation at our home in our backyard. And of course we said, absolutely. Yes. But I think it's been so long since we've had a family party. I mean, we used to just have stuff here all the time and it's, we haven't had holidays. It's been three years. So when you pull in, it's almost like your whole house has, you've got new eyes like, Oh, that doesn't look so great. Or Mm, I think I should take that down or we should redo something. And that's what happened to us. We drove oh, in and, and no, yes, <laughs> we, we have had a, you know, it kind of goes back to when we first got married, I wanted a husband, I wanted the two kids and I wanted the white picket fence. And my husband being, you know, the husband that he is, he built me that white picket fence in the eighties, nineties. Um, but over time, it starts to kind of rot. It doesn't look so good. It's turning green because it rains here all the time and, and you know, moss and mold. And so I just looked at it and I just said, oh, this just doesn't look great. And he said, I'm not taking it down. We're just going to wash it. We're just going to paint it or we're just going to leave it. It's fine. And I, I didn't let up, kept at it. Our son called. I said, you know what? All I want for Mother's Day is the picket fence to be taken down. And my son goes, oh, mom. And my husband goes, nope, no way. And I was in the backyard and I was mowing and I could hear this pounding with a sledgehammer. And I came out and he, before I knew it, he had six panels. It's a big, big picket fence around was the whole house. Was this your son or your husband taking it, it down? It was my husband. And yeah, he said- Yeah, I bet. So I have to say something. I bet- <laughs> I bet that he took that so personally because he built that with his own two hands for his loving wife. Yep. And he remembers the feelings of what he was doing when he was building that for you. And now wife doesn't want it anymore. He sees it as a rejection of him. Well, that's probably something my therapist could probably talk so, about. So because tell us what happened. Well, he took it down with a sledgehammer, um, the panels, and then he had built it so well with, you know, a foot and a half of concrete in each post. I mean, that, that fence was looking long in the tooth, but it was not going to go anywhere. He had to get his chainsaw out oh, and cut goodness. down the posts. And so me being like, oh my gosh. And I said, why? He goes, I'm tired of hearing you complain about it. And I thought, uh-oh. So here I am with the tractor. I'm lifting the panels into, into it. And as I was driving it back, it was just like a, a memory reel of what age the kids were when we built it and all the things we've been through. And I have to say that whole white picket fence is kind of a symbolic thing, right? It's, it's of the house, the kids, and the white picket fence. And here I was taking it down. And I was thinking about how retirement is a little bit like that, that you don't get rid of everything necessarily, but you repurpose things or you reformat, or sometimes you get rid of things that don't work for you anymore. Maybe there's relationships that don't work for you anymore. Maybe there's people that just, that were from your past that aren't great and you know, time is short. And you embrace something new. And I guess for me, it didn't start out that way. I just wanted to kind of clean up the front yard. Um, 
But the other lesson I learned is that it dominoes because we had a walkway out to that picket fence and now it's a walkway to nowhere. So I started pulling that up and then we needed to put grass on that. And then we had another path and it just turned into something so much bigger. And here I am so proud of myself, 63 year old woman, and I'm lifting these big stones. I'm lifting the picket fence. And the next day I couldn't walk. Uh (laughs) And that was humbling. It was really, he goes, oh, now look what you've done. And I said, this is really hard because the things that you could do when you were younger from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., I'm realizing now it's like, no, it's not a limited amount of energy. I feel in my head like I'm 18, but I paid for it. So he's right now going to get some beauty bark because there's whole new beds areas we put in a fire fire pit type area, redid the stones. And so instead of going back to having fun like we were before and golfing, we're rehabbing the whole front yard. Why is that, Kathy? <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about the coming home transition that was really hard because you get into routines when you're at home, right? You go to the bank, you go to the store. One day kind of looks like another. Then you go on this three to four month odyssey that is energizing and fun and there's people and there's things to talk to. And then you come home and home doesn't look as good. And yet it's, it's beautiful. You know, you want to stay here. Um, So I'm just realizing that if you're either thinking about retirement or you're thinking about doing what we're doing, don't underestimate the transitions, right? Once you're in the routine, at the park, or once you're in the routine at home, I think things are kind of normal. But getting from one place to another, I have found kind of emotionally jarring, obviously physically jarring, um, but just the mental challenge of where is home? Where are we? What are we doing? And he's been expressing quite a bit that he goes, I love being home, which I kind of knew. But I thought he would love the travel as much as I do. But we're in this really weird place. It's not so much arguing or fighting, but there's a tension. There's a tension between what I want to go and do and him wanting to stay home, which we would have had pre-pandemic and with retirement. But now we're kind of in this together. I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but it's, it's a pretty real thing. How a couple has a plan but things don't always feel the same for each person. I'm sure you've heard this before. I have. In fact, it brings to mind, and I can't remember her name because my brain doesn't work that way, but it was one of our early episodes and it was a couple who had moved to Costa Rica. Yeah. They, they went to Costa Rica together and she fell in love with it and he hated it. And they wound up getting divorced and he, he went home and she stayed in Costa Rica because she loved it so much. And when I spoke with her, she'd been in Costa Rica for just years and years and years and was, she was retired, but she was also did some part-time things for the community. I forget exactly what it was. Maybe I'll, I'll find the episode and I'll post it. We'll make sure we post it in the show notes, but it, you know, she chose Costa Rica over her relationship. So one of the reasons why I have this show, as you know, is to try to keep marriages together. 
And so um, all of us, no matter how good things can be, we all have to keep that relationship in mind and to try to give where, bend where it's important, you know, because retirement can destroy a relationship. I don't know how else to say it because the, the routine that you're both used to before retirement is gone. And now you have to replace it with something else that you both can live with. And if you want to retire and he wants to stay home, there's going to be a winner and a loser in that art. You know, the, you, you can't do, well, you can do both. You can say, you can say, well, we will re, you know, let's travel X amount of times per year or X number of months per year and stay home X number of months. So that would be a compromise. But if one person never wants to travel ever, you can't really compromise on. Yeah. I mean, you know, somebody is going to be a winner. Somebody is going to be a loser in that argument, unless you can compromise on the amount of time. And that's what lesson I do because he doesn't really want to travel. And bless, bless him. He is traveling with me. So, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in, in that respect, not as much as I'd like. I mean, I'm more like you, I would love to just jump in an RV and be gone for three to three months. You know, that I would love that less on the other hand would stress out so much about, he says he stresses out about the dog, but even if we took the dog with us, he'd be stressing out, well, we can't go anywhere because the dog's in the RV. Or we can't, you know, we can't go out to dinner because the dog is, you know, so it, it would, there would be something even if we took the dog with us. So I feel for you, Barbara. Well, I think that stress and that tension, though, is a picture of retirement because it's a constant negotiation. It's renegotiating the things that you had already settled it's like it's starting all over. And we all know that at the beginning of a marriage, there's a ton of adjustments and transition. It's like you're two individuals are forming this one couple. And so the things that you thought were all worked out kind of rear their head at the end. And you're not the same person that you were at 21 and 23 when you're 63 and 65. And so, um, yeah, I, I the the only advice I can have is we've been talking a lot and trying to figure out, okay, what's our next step? Trying to look forward and not look back. But I have heard of couples that they don't get divorced, but she might live in Washington and he might live in Arizona. I know and, many couples that are estranged like that. Right. But they're happy with that because... They, they're where they want to be, but for financial reasons, they're not getting, you know, divorced. Um, it just seems like such a sad thing to be, you know, graying. But I can also see the motivation because, you know, grief and loss. Um, every week on my Facebook page, one of my classmates is sick or passing away. And so there's this kind of um, last minute, time is short, what am I going to do? I don't want to just sit here or I don't want to waste time. Um, pressure on a relationship 
where there's this sense of we need to do something where the other person says like, I'm fine. I just want to sit in the backyard and just enjoy what we've worked so hard for. So there's been a lot of conversations um, around that because, you know, we're on road trips a fair amount. But I don't want to end on anything sad. I want to talk about what I call my grandkids week. We spent a weekend with um, my son and daughter-in-law and, and our two grandkids. And it wasn't a holiday. It wasn't a vacation. We just did life with them. And they invited us. So it wasn't like we were horning in. And uh, we got to go see two soccer games, uh, go to a park. Um, there was one day where we went to this beautiful park in Olympia and all of the flowers were blooming. There were waterfalls, um, just moss with, with the moisture dripping. I mean, it was magical. And the kids didn't want to go. They didn't want to go back home. And so we just laid in the grass and my husband goes, don't we need to be somewhere? And I said, no. And they just wanted to play and laugh and talk. And it was interesting to me how rare that is with grandkids because usually their parents are there. You're usually on agenda. You're usually going somewhere. And they just said, well, we don't want you to leave. Can't you just come live with us? And it was so sweet. And so we headed to Oregon. We, we did our little thing down in seaside and that wasn't as fun because everything was closed. It was pouring down rain in Oregon last weekend. And, um, but we went on a hike. We, you know, we did our thing, but then we went to my other daughter in, in, in the Portland area for kind of the same thing. It was our grandson's ninth birthday. And so instead of being a Christmas or Thanksgiving holiday, we just did life with them and went, went to an amusement park and went to, um, you know, his little basketball party and, my grandson, I could hear him talking to his mom. He said, can Nana stay? And she said, what? And he goes, I don't want Nana to leave. Can Aww. she just stay for three weeks? And my husband just looked at us and this is the one that doesn't always hug. And he gave us both big hugs and we're like, oh, what's going on? There was less crying and screaming and conflict. We just had a really pleasant time. So a year ago before I retired, none of this would have happened. But when you retired, you have the flexibility to just do life, not a special event, but just do life with your kids and grandkids. And I'm looking at them, they're 10, nine, nine, and six. And, you know, do the numbers, five, six years, they're going to have their learner's permits. They're on their way to college. So I don't regret retiring. And I don't regret the way we're spending our retirement. Sure, there's been some challenges, um, but overall, I just think it's been awesome. That is such a touching story. Thank you for sharing it with us. I really appreciate it, Barbara. Well, it's always fun talking to you and telling you what's going on because now it's summer. So off we go on a golf adventure and hosting a party and I don't know. I don't even, I don't even remember what it was like to work and how, you know, it was a lot, it was a lot to work. And now it's like, if I want to read a book, I can, if I want to take a walk with the dog, I can't. So, um, for those of you that are on the fence, if your finances are in order, your marriage is, you know, as strong as it can be, um, take the plunge and see what happens. I don't think you'll regret it. 
Listener, she's talking to me right now. <laughs> thank you, Barbara. <laughs> Barbara, thank you so much. I will definitely consider what you have said. And for the listener, I hope you do too. And we'll see you next time on The Rock Your Retirement Show. Bye. Bye. Oh, wait. I wanted to thank you again for listening to The Rock Your Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August... Actually, August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app, and then you search for the show, and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show, and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to, normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. 
five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.